All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice at arm's You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let me know.
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season, for $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. Go check them out. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50. Harmon, do you have two cities in Canada Preferably west to east coast that you would like to tell our listeners that Zephyr Epic ships to. You put me on the spot here. I hadn't I thought about it. No, like you, you gotta Faber, you have anything for us? You no, know, you know I do. From Courtney to Cornerbrook. Wow. Wow. Excellent. We are also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, that's two D's. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Folks, if you haven't done it yet, get on that because you're saving money. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Quadrelli. I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. And joining us, as I alluded to a little earlier, Harmon Dial of The Athletic. Harmon, how are you doing today? It's funny you asked me that question, how are you doing, and it... Like the natural inclination is always to say, I'm doing good. And it actually reminds me of last night after the game where... I won't say who it was, but after the game, um, you know, I was at the gate nine security and uh, one of the Canucks players after the game walks out. And this is a guy that, you know, um, I I have decent rapport with. And so we see each other and I go, hey, hey, how are you? And he's about to say good. And then he catches himself. (laughs) And then he just like gives a sheepish smile of like, I can't believe this is happening. And And he's like well, and then he just keeps walking. And I I think that just kind of sums up how I think we're all feeling right now. If you're a fan of the team, if you're on the team, if you're, if, you know, in any capacity involved or sort of just following this, this hockey club is just that, well, it's really tough right now. Harmon's starting off strong. We That was way better than a simple, I'm doing well. So, I mean, favor, try and top that. How are you doing well, today? Well, I also have some uh, decent story from yesterday's game, too. You mentioned that I'm the man who built the place. <laughs> so I walked down to my seats. I bought tickets yesterday to the Canucks game. $75 each. Wow. 150 bucks for me and the girlfriend to go. Okay. Expensive. Fifth row, we had a good seat. But on my way down, I thought I heard someone yell favor. And on the way down, I was like, oh, baby, got recognized. That's cool. Got to give a shout out to the two guys that I walked up after. And what did they say? They're like, it's the man who built the place. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, got, I didn't get a chance to chat with them that long. So I was hustling to get in the lines. I had to go piss all this stuff. <laughs> so I was having a couple drinks last night at the game. But shout out to the two guys listening. They're hopefully listening to this episode. But uh, yeah, they called me out by the guy who built the place. That's uh, so amazing. That was, that was pretty awesome. That's fantastic. Getting well, some fist bumps on the way by. Shout out to those two boys. Uh, tweet at me. Let me know who you were. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. I don't have any great stories. I, I sat in the press You're box just doing beside well. Harmon. Yeah, sat, sat in the press box beside Harmon last night. Watching that game. I mean, we're not going to spend too much time touching on the game because, folks, this was this came to fruition as me sitting in the arena after Jim Benning's surprise press conference. Like, we only found out about it this morning. We didn't think we were going to be talking to Jim today. Heck, I wasn't even going to come to the rink today. Like, it was 10.30 either and 11 a.m. media. That's all we were told. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to go watch a workout. And, yeah. You know, like, I wasn't going to go either. Yeah. And then and then they tweet this morning. Canucks PR tweets that uh, Jim Benning will speak to the media. And obviously, you can't miss that. So we will get into that because 
this episode is literally just it started as me texting favor and saying yo emergency episode we we don't even have time to record on t- tomorrow or saturday and there's a game obviously so we figured this is the most pressing thing the market wants to hear about it and thankfully Harmon was at the rink and uh as as he had just left the rink when i got this idea i called Harmon and told him to Come back to the arena. So we're very thankful to yeah, have Harmon in the promised arena. Promised him a chicken studio. sandwich and it was a sealed yeah. deal. Did you yeah, put ketchup no. on it? The listeners want to know. No, I didn't. You forgot to ask for it. That's why. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, you know, it's funny with the whole ketchup thing. I think with chicken burgers in general, I, I think ketchup's just more of a convenience thing, right? Like most of the time I prefer sweet and sour, which I think is a lot cool. uh, more socially kind of acceptable. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate. The, the burger wasn't, wasn't as, it was great, but it could have been better. Could have been better with a little ketchup. Could have been better with a little ketchup. Okay. Let's get into this Jim Benning press conference favor. I know you've had the chance to listen to it. Harmon and I were both in the media room asking some questions. We got some questions into Jim and honestly, like Harmon, I'll start with you. What do you take away from that press conference? I know you and I have talked about this a bit off air, but what do you take away from what we heard from the Canucks general manager today? Well, it's interesting because it was important for Jim from an accountability perspective to step up and, you know, answer for for what this team has shown so far in the season. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't need to really hear from Jim doing the same song and dance again, explaining why the team's underperformed. Like, how many times has this organization overpromised and underdelivered, right? Like this isn't anything new. This isn't a new type of press conference. And frankly, I didn't expect Jim to have any type of answers. I mean, especially because like to hear the report the other day that Aquilini and Benning were having a meeting meeting to figure out what's gone wrong. I mean, like I feel like this organization just has a fundamental kind of like lack of self-awareness about where the roster is at. And I think like, you could tell even in the press conference, like, yeah, he mentioned the top players in the penalty kill, but he said he was, you know, he seemed genuinely bewildered at, wow, I can't believe the start kind of happened. And sure, I don't think anyone expected it to be this bad, but I also don't think you could have looked at this roster and gone, well, this is a playoff lock. I mean, look at it this way. No analytics model, none of them had the Canucks making the playoffs this year. Right now, I don't care. This isn't about analytics being right or wrong, right? It's an imperfect measure. But the point is, that's just one of the objective ways to project uh, to project how a team looks on paper. And if all of them are saying that this team is probably going to miss the playoffs, you know that that's really telling. And even the Vegas line, Drancer mentioned this. The Canucks have been have only been favored in six of their, I think, what what is it now, sixteen, seventeen games. Like this is like this team just isn't as good as everyone thinks it is, especially and that starts with management and ownership. So at this point, like, you know, Jim can say what he wants about we got to figure this out and, you know, our top players can be better. And those things are absolutely true. But at the end of the day, it's just I need to hear from ownership like this is I don't need to hear from Jim and Jim anymore. And I think this is an important realization for the market that. Like it's eight years, sure, and you can, you know, there's there are a ton of faults that Benning has made along the way, but ownership has been enabling this to go on, and they're the ones at the top. They haven't spoken to the media 
in an open question setting since I believe they hired Trevor Linden. They're the ones standing by um, Benning and they're the ones that, you know, the one time they did talk to uh, the Sat and the Boys on 650, they talked about, well, if anyone wants to blame Jim, they should really be blaming me. Well, fine, then step up and face the heat, yeah. right? Like, that's just so infuriating to me. And to have Jim kind of be trotted up there again is just like, it just feels like the same old song and dance. Absolutely. Like, here's the thing is the quote you're alluding to, Francesco Aquilini saying on Sportsnet 650, the people show, he said, if you're going to diss anyone, diss me. Okay, well, now we're dissing you. Because here's the thing is there's folks commenting on my TikTok right now saying, uh, saying, well, this isn't all Jim's fault. And absolutely, 100%. absolutely it's not. And then that's why even I was telling you this, I, I even feel a little bit bad for Jim. And I know he makes millions of dollars and all that sort of stuff. I, I get all that. He's had eight years. I get all of that. But I sort of feel bad for Jim, like watching him have to sit in there and take questions today that really should be being asked of ownership. Like a lot of this doesn't fall on Jim, and he's the he's the he's the representative representative for this organization right now. That's what they've made him. They don't have a president. We talk to Travis Green every day, but he's below Jim, right? So the highest level we're talking to right now is Jim Benning, and when he says things like "we're real competitive," uh, we're going to be real competitive in two years, and I follow up on that. Like I'm not just saying that's on Jim. I'm saying if he's saying this. And he still has a job that clearly means that ownership is on board with that two-year timeline. So when I ask Jim that question today, I'm really asking, does the organization still feel that they're a year away from contending or has that timeline changed at all? Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys both that I think ownership needs to come out and talk. I, you know, it was good to hear Jim come out and talk finally because you mentioned it there, Harm, just looking at what the what the coaches had to deal with coming out and dealing with the media every single day while Jim Benning sits back and didn't have to deal with anybody answer any questions. It was good today for Jim to come out and answer some questions, but we all knew where this press conference was going to go. Like this is not shocking at all to see the the answers that we got from Jim today, the answers that he that he gave to a lot of the questions. It was time for some hard questions to be asked and I think media did a pretty good job throughout of of asking those hard questions, but yeah, I'm with both you guys here. I think Ownership is going to be the one that's going to start to feel a little bit of the pressure now because Jim came out and talked because now the pressure is on somebody else to try and answer what the problem is with this team because we didn't get an answer from Jim. We don't get an answer from Travis on a nightly basis when he talks. The next step would be to hear ownership. And you mentioned it like that quote that that Francesco Aquilini said where he said, don't diss Jim, diss me. People are going to start actually taking that, you know, people are already doing it. I think we are seeing a lot of people already with the hashtag Aquilini out and everything else that we see on Twitter. But that quote that he said should be taken to heart for Canucks fans that he has a lot of this to blame. He's the guy at the top and leadership comes from the top. And right now we're not getting that from the owner. So I think that, yeah, there's there should be some pressure to hear what he has to say now. And the other thing, too, is like at this point, the fan base has been through eight years. It's just about like any words are going to ring hollow at this point. You can say like Jim could have said the perfect, you know, A to Z like line for line been impeccable in his delivery and his rhetoric and his narrative. doesn't matter. No one wants to, words don't matter. What people want at this point is some type of action, some type of change. And that's where things shift to ownership, where like they're the only ones that have the empowerment, I think, to make real level of change. And I'm not just talking about the GM. Like even if you're talking about, say, like firing uh, firing the coach or 
you know, making some kind of uh, of bigger trade. Like, does Jim have the autonomy to do that? I, I genuinely wonder because, like, the one thing that has become increasingly apparent is I think ownership has, and obviously Jim is going to say the right things and say that they, you know, that, that you know, he's, ownership's been excellent and he has the keys keys to do whatever he wants. But, you know, when talking to people around the organization within it, like that's not, you know, behind closed doors, that's not really what, what happens. I think everyone knows that Aquilini has been pretty heavily involved in the vision. And I do wonder, like, at this point, when it comes to, like, we even in the 2020 offseason, right? Like, this management group, obviously they made mistakes, right? But they also didn't have the kind of financial flexibility to go out and spend, right? And, you know, at this point, right, again, like, let's say Jim wants to change the coach. And I'm not saying that this is necessarily the case. I'm just talking in hypothetical terms. Does he have the power to fire and hire another coach? I don't know, right? Because I'm thinking about this from ownership's perspective, right? Like, again, Jim's been here for eight years, and you don't know whether he's, like, his own job security is up in the air. And and Jim essentially said as much, right? He was straight up asked about how he felt about his job security, job security. And he essentially said, well, I mean, that's just up to ownership. Um, and then same for the coach said, everything's being evaluated. So right. he didn't say that his job was safe. He didn't say that Travis, and that was the point blank question, right? Was, right. was especially about Travis is Travis's job safe. All, he didn't say yes. He said everything's up and being evaluated right now. Right. But exactly. And the thing is like, let's say Jim wants to hire a new coach. Um, Eccolini goes through that. He's got now now got Travis, who just extended, who he's paying not to coach his hockey team. Let's say the season continues to go sideways. And at the end of the year, let's say Jim hypothetically gets canned. You bring in a new GM. What's a new GM going to want to do? He's most likely going to want to hire his own guy. So now you could end up in a scenario where you're paying two coaches not to um, be involved with the organization. So I think that's why this falls on ownership is they're the ones that have to kind of, you know, obviously they're going to speak with Jim. They're going to talk to management. They're going to hear what the coaches and players have to say, but they're in, in a big picture sense, the ones that are going to dictate what, what comes next. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you there where like, I think of a potential replacement coach right now and like how the situation would go down. It, it, it feels like it has to be Brad Shaw as the interim head coach. Like to yeah. me, they can't go out and get, Claude Julian, as much as Jim might want him. I know Jim has a relationship with Claude Julian, obviously, from the past. And I don't think that that can be done. It's too much money. It's too much money to go out and get Bruce Boudreaux, which is a name I struggle with the most in the world. Like, it's either Brad Shaw or a very cheap Mike Babcock. Like, like or either that or another cheap coach. Because, like, they're not going to be able to go get a guy for three years at $2 million. Even at, and that's like an average coach's salary because you're already paying, Tra- you're already paying Travis Green two and a half for this year and next year. Like, the things that, that you just said, Harm, to me, it's like Jim Benning, I think, has gotten an extension on his life as the GM because he's done a lot of the things that the owner might have wanted. And the communication between them two has, you know, been something that's obviously worked for ownership because they've been able to maybe get their plan alongside with Jim and they seem to agree on a lot of things that happen for this organization. But now at the same time, it's it's like the shoe's on the other foot. It's like they've done a lot of the things that ownership has been happy with, but now it doesn't feel like Travis can or that Jim can really make a decision on what's going to happen moving forward, especially with a coach. Like, I think a trade is the next thing that's going to fall here. I think a trade comes before a coach, but 
like I don't know because I don't know what the next few games are going to do. I just I sh- you know we show up to the rink now, and I think all of us expect the Canucks to lose because of giving up goals on the penalty kill. Maybe be outplayed at five on five if the other team shows up, but it's like the Canucks played pretty good at five on five against the Avalanche. They didn't have as many scoring chances, I don't think, but they were at least putting the puck towards the net. Two nothing if you just count even strength goals, not not including the empty netter, of course. But two nothing Canucks if they if there's no special teams involved. But the that's crazy, hockey. That's well, how hockey works. It was three for five teams. yesterday, and one of them was a four second power play that got canceled. So really three for four. They could they killed off one of four power penalties. That is horrible. Like obviously that's something that Jim brought up a lot today. And I don't know, maybe we could touch just that's, a little bit. That's actually an interesting thing too, where, you know, that was one of the interesting takeaways for me was, you know, Jim was saying, well, it's not just the players, it's the way we, we kill penalties, right. right? Which is implying that he thinks that there's something there from a tactical strategic perspective. And then Travis came up, he was asked about the penalty kill and he mentioned well, most teams just play a pretty similar system. It's about execution. It's about getting the job done, right? So I think that's very interesting there where one guy's essentially in gym mm-hmm. alluding to the fact that, well, it's not just the guys that I've put together, but it's like the coaches have to be able to do something about this. And then, you know, Green's kind of implying that, you know, there are tweaks we can make, but ultimately most of this lies on the personnel, which, you know, it's interesting. <sighs> I tend to believe the power play is one of the areas where the coaching staff deserves the most kind of blame. But when I look at the penalty kill, right, because the power play, there's so many things you can tweak strategically in terms of like, what role should you put what guy, right? The yeah. head, the way handedness works, um, how you want the overall kind of approach of the power play to be in terms of how much you want to pass versus how much you want to shoot. There's a lot of set plays that you're creating. I think that's, there's a lot more freedom there to, um, from a coaching staff's perspective, to really do some work. But when I look at the penalty kill, honestly, and I look at most penalty kills around the league, there isn't like there there isn't a huge difference in like systems wise, right? Like people people say like, oh, the system's wrong on the penalty kill. Like honestly, aside from the amount of pressure you put in zone on teams, and say like the neutral zone forecheck and what formation you want to roll with. Most teams play a pretty similar formation. There isn't like a magic formula or strategic fix. And that's where even when I try and look back at the tape and diagnose uh, the penalty kill, it's not as if I see, oh, that, oh, it's that structural flaw that the coaches need to fix. It's just for whatever reason, they're not executing. So, I mean, that was just one of the other things that I found interesting in terms of a potential disconnect there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great point. And Chris, you want to pull up the audio that we have? Because we do have audio from the press conference today. We've got a couple clips. Uh, we've got Jim talking to uh, or answering a question from Ian McIntyre, I believe, about uh, what it's like to hear the fire betting chance and hear that displeasure. So we'll play that clip right now. Well, it's upsetting. You know, it's it's really upsetting because, you know, I think as a management team, you know, this last you know, seven plus years, we've, you know, we've worked really hard to, you know, draft well, develop our players properly. Um, you know, I think it's wearing on all of us. You know, it's there's not one faction between from ownership to the management team to the coaches that it's 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 wearing on us now. You know, so you know this. The fans are frustrated. I, I get their frustration. We're frustrated. 
And but we we need to figure this out and get back on track and start winning hockey games and play like I believe we're capable of. So some key things from that is, you know, he says it's frustrating to hear that and then tries to give give his management regime credit for drafting and developing players and says like, well, it's frustrating because we've done so much. Yeah, you guys talk about like maybe your mic was Sorry, you guys talk about maybe feeling a little bit bad for Benning like that tone in his voice would lead you towards maybe feeling a little bit bad for him. But the words that he said, you can't feel bad for that. He's talking about drafting and developing for a team to put together here. It's like, yes, the Canucks got pretty lucky that they were able to get Elias Patterson, get Quinn Hughes. Brock Besser was a good pick later in the first round. Niels Huglander's looking like a good pick. Thatcher Damko's looking like a good pick. But what other players have they developed aside from these top-end guys? Yeah, and that's Zach McEwen's getting praised now from the <laughs> from the athletic in Philadelphia. Yeah. We're seeing we're just seeing you know Jonathan Dallin now having success in the NHL. Certain other players that just they haven't been able to develop correctly in my eyes. I don't have, don't get me started on Goldobin. I won't. Uh, I know people don't want to hear it, well, but that, just yeah. certain players that I think you could have gotten a little bit better out of them. You haven't seen that, and obviously the players that they've gone out and drafted and traded they haven't been able to develop players very well at all. And they haven't been able to give themselves enough draft picks to be able to have a, re- a f- true rebuild to get yourself enough depth in the organization with your prospects. They they haven't done a good job of drafting and developing. They've gotten a couple of stars, but when you're that bad for that long, you need more than a couple of stars. You need to have some part of the prospects flowing into your third line, flowing into your fourth line, flowing into your bottom pairing. There's nobody there. There's nobody there that they've drafted that's a, a guy who's playing on your second pairing or third pairing. They have Quinn Hughes. That's the defenseman that they've drafted. Everyone else, they've gone out and gone in free agency. They've traded for. They haven't developed a defenseman. They threw Quinn Hughes right into the league right after he was drafted. They didn't develop him. He went to Michigan, and he played really well for Michigan. And then they put him right into the NHL. They didn't develop him at all. They played him with Luke Shen. Is that development? You throw him in the league with Luke Shen? Like, yeah, he's not going to get pushed around. But what development have they done? All their players have come from another league and jumped right into the NHL. They haven't done developed any players out of the AHL that you see on this roster, aside from maybe Thatcher Demko. Like Thatcher Demko got a, a two years there in the AHL or a year and a half. Again, that's and that's the a goaltender department, right? And that's probably a lot of Ian Clark talking about development. Yes, yes the only is. coach that maybe shouldn't be fired right now. Like, and, yeah, go ahead, Harm. And you hit the nail on the head, right? Like. They've drafted and developed one defenseman in eight years that is still with this team, right? Like one defenseman. And you look at like where the team shortcomings are right now. Like, I think this was what either the most expensive or the second most expensive blue line in the NHL right now. Mm. We talked about the bottom six being an issue for so long. The blue line is the new bottom six. Like it's not at that point yet, quite yet, but like they've showed well so far this season, right? They've showed well. But we have five six years left. Yeah, he has six years left. Like he's been good so far, but seven and a quarter million dollars, and then to have Tyler Myers making six million, and he's been okay, he's been fine, but making six million dollars and Tucker Pullman at two and a half, like sure the guy's fine in zone defensively, but he can't make a play with the puck. He's he's not he's not a top four caliber defenseman. Travis Hamonic is not a top four caliber defenseman, and it's just the amount of money that they're spending on this blue line for such. Not, I don't even want to say mediocre because this back end is worse than mediocre. It's probably the club's biggest weakness. Like 
it's easily the worst bang for the buck in the NHL, and it's in large part because they haven't been able to draft and develop a defenseman outside of Quinn Hughes. Yeah, I, I completely agree with it. It's not even like not even like you're asking for another level of Quinn Hughes. You're asking for a guy who maybe could have helped you not go out and sign Tucker Pullman. Yeah, exactly. Like all you needed was a, a number five, six defenseman. Just you needed to draft one of those in the last seven years. Draft one guy who could have fit into you. Only Levy to just be you know, like even a four five. Yeah, exactly. The fact that Oli Levy, a guy we spent a top five pick on, couldn't get to that point. Yeah, like that this is to hear Jim, and I know like, yeah, he feels, and you know, maybe people should feel bad. I'm sure the the Benning truthers out there they feel bad that Fire Benning wasn't a chant that was blowing up in the arena. But I tell you, like, if there was a chance for that game. If that game would have got out of hand at all, because the Canucks were in it the whole game and you were still getting a fire bending chant in certain one section was pretty loud about it in the upper deck. There was a couple people in my area that were pretty loud about it, but you could hear it throughout the arena. And, and I just listening to people around me talking, cause I was down in the stands yesterday, you know, you're hearing people say like, yeah, you know, maybe it would be better if Benning was gone and people, a lot of people that I just heard, like overheard conversations with as I'm eavesdropping man of the people down in the crowd. Well, you guys are up in the heavens over there eating free popcorn and drinking mini cans of Pepsi. I'm paying $35 for a pretzel. Anyways, uh, I just hearing everyone kind of the tone of everyone in the, in the stands there. It was like, wow, these people are they're like a couple of people are like, wow, look at these people yelling fire banning. That's pretty strange. And then like by the end of the game, people are just you could hear the fans just so unhappy with what this team did on the ice. And it's not even like they got blown out that game. If they were to come, if they're going to get blown out at one of these games on home at home ice here on this homestand, there's going to be a lot of chance coming out of there. I know that the chant the other night wasn't too big, but if Benning was hurt by the one that he heard the other day, it's, it's only going to get worse if this team can't turn it around. And it's so bad that Benning's in a spot where, or the organization as a whole is sort of basing their decision on fan reaction. Totally. Like what are you serious? You're going to base, you're not, let's not base our decision on Jim one way or the other, right? Even if you're going to stick with him, Instead of basing your decision on the body of work that you've seen to this point, all the reports are that you're waiting to see how the fans react. And I get it. The fans are the customers. But really, you're going to make such an important decision based off of whether your fans are going to chant for your GM to get fired or if enough fans are going to buy tickets. Like, that's not a way to run a hockey team. Absolutely. You you know, Harb, like, and I want to throw this to you because like, I look at that exact situation to me and I feel like a good president of hockey operations would be a good person to solve that question that keeps the owner one extra phone call away from the GM in my eyes. Like the president should be the one. There should be somebody communicating between the general manager and the owner that like figures out the the way that he wants to communicate from the owner to the GM and the way that he wants the GM to communicate to the owner, I think there needs to be a line in between there because you can't just let them going back and forth like this. Like, I don't know if it needs to be like, I don't know if Trevor Lennon's the right guy for the job. I don't think he was the right guy for the job at the time. I think that was sort of a PR thing as well, but there needs to be a guy who is making the top end hockey decisions for this organization that isn't Francesco Aquilini. There needs to be a guy above Jim Benning that isn't Aquilini. There needs to be a guy above Jim Benning that 
talks to Aquilini for him for things. Yeah. There can't be an influence coming down from the owner to the GM as much as there is. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to play that clip uh, of the questions that I asked Jim today because, you know, like I alluded to a little bit earlier, uh, these questions that I asked Jim, it wasn't me just thinking, okay, Jim said this. How does Jim feel about this now? I was asking more so, Jim, clearly ownership still believes in you. You said a year ago that they're, you're two years away from being real competitive, as he put it. Is that timeline still the same, or has it changed at all? We have that clip. We'll just yeah, play it's it. Just, just so people know before we get into it, you're a little quiet in the clip because you're not the same mic as yeah, Jim. So yeah. don't crank it up when, when you start talking. We're going to get to uh, your two questions to Jim Benning here. Jim, what's the organization's overall message to fans right now? Well... I know, you know, fans are frustrated. Uh, We're frustrated. Um, It's wearing on all of us. We're going to do everything that we can to, you know, get this back, back in the right direction, winning hockey games and, you know, hopefully compete for a playoff spot. Last year, you said you felt you were two years away from being really competitive. Do you feel now it's one year away or is that timeline changed? I, you know, I'm not going to comment on that right now with, with where we're at. We got to just figure out, you know, how our penalty kill can be better, how we can, our best players can perform better, how, you know, we're a fragile team right now, how we can work through that, be mentally tougher. Um, those are the issues that we're dealing with right now. Okay, so let's break down that clip. Uh, Jim really did point to the penalty kill as the problem, and, you know, can't really blame him, but didn't want to talk about the two-year timeline that he laid out. And I think that should worry fans a little bit because it kind of backs up what we've been saying for a while now that this organization's never really had a plan that they've stuck to. It's always kind of changed, and it's always been like like Ray Ferraro, and we've all kind of parroted it, the no-plan plan, right? It's just, it seems like every year the plan changes. And in recent years, the plan has just been, we made mistakes. Now we're going to try and make a competitive team. And I think for two or three years in a row now, they've tried that and and failed at it. I think it's safe to say that they've failed at that. Well, you know what? Like two years ago, or not even two, sorry, a year ago when Jim made that comment about he sees two years from now as an opportunity for this team to be really competitive, that's when, at the time, it actually made sense. And the reason I say that is because Beagle, like this season would have been the last year of Beagle, Roussel, Erickson. And so going into 2022-23, you would have had oodles of cap space to work with, right? All your bad contracts would have been off the books. Um, obviously, if the Canucks kept their pick, they would have had that, another top prospect in the system. And like just with all that cap space, they would have had an opportunity to really upgrade the team. Now, the problem is, guess what happened this offseason? They went for the instant gratification again, where they kind of traded in one fell swoop all their short-term problems for kind of like a long-term gamble in OEL, right? And then they signed Tucker Pullman. And it's just like, Jim, at the time when he said two years, it was actually feasible from when he said it. If they had played their cards right, that actually could have been possible. I mean, for a long time, I was talking about, like, this season matters, but it doesn't matter as much as 2022-23, because that's your window of opportunity. But now this team put their chips into the middle of the table, 
like you look ahead into the offseason, in, into the next summer, that opportunity isn't there anymore. And again, it's because they didn't really stick to that plan. And again, this is where, you know, that lack of vision, I just don't think it's, it's not only on betting, like that's on ownership. And it's just, it's just frustrating. And honestly, like how many of these kind of promises has Jim made where, you know, the first time he was probably asked about it, something along those lines of when are you going to be among the NHL's elite teams again? He referenced when the Sedin's contracts would expire. Mm. The Sedin's are now working for the organization. They're, they're consultants for the organization, and the team still isn't close to being an, a, well, an elite NHL team. When do their contracts expire now? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I dig deep, boys. I just think I think you're you're bang on, Harm. Like you're absolutely bang on when the way that the way that you asked the question, Quads was like, yes, we wanted to hear what your thoughts are about what you said a year ago, and Jim didn't want to comment on that. Yeah, what he said a year ago, he didn't want to comment on, which is very strange. And it's like, yeah, but this season hasn't gone the way we thought it was going to go. But also, the two year plan of trying to get back to being good didn't go the way that we all thought it was going to go. As people who follow this team, fans should think about this team. Because, like you said, Harm, it made a lot of sense that we're going to be two years away from being competitive. Go easy on free agency this past year. Don't make all those trades. Add a first-round pick to your pipeline. Let's not forget the second-round pick next year got traded in that trade, too. Yeah. I mean, that's another, that's another one of these things where we're like, hey, let's find one defenseman, one more defenseman aside from Quinn Hughes. For your defense core, if you're talking about drafting and development being the thing that you're proud of as the organization, the part that you really think you've done a good job of over eight years is drafting and developing. I like I haven't I've seen them draft players that I've liked. I really like the Huglander pick. I really like the Pod Coles pick. Obviously, the Pedersen and Hughes pick were great too. But there has not been any development that I've liked from this organization. What what is the development? Like seriously, what what one player have they developed? Like it's there isn't one. There isn't one where you can look at the Vancouver Canucks and Jim Benning and whatever they've done. I just I, I just I think back to all the things that we're starting to learn like more about this team than we start to dig into things like Aiden McDonough didn't have a skating coach. The dude <laughs> it was bad at skating. He was such a good scorer and shooter. And you guys couldn't help find a skating coach. I know there's certain things of the NCAA that you can do, but you can't point them in the right direction or anything like that. Like that's just one of the situations again. And now I just think of like what the communications like with prospects and how it can be better with guys overseas. And it's just, it's so tough to see this be trotted out and just know that there could be so much better done. And I, I think the whole, my honestly, like honestly, my whole takeaway from this is like this team needs just a hard-ass president. Seriously, the, the team needs a hard-ass president who isn't going to bow down to everything the owner has to say. Like, if he wants... The owner is not the one that's going to get this this team back into contention, right? It's not going to be the owner making the right decisions for the hockey ops to get them to being a winning team. He's got to do the business ops side of it. He's got to spend the money in the right spots. And right now, to me, the glaring issue that I see is is there's a struggle with the general manager. There's a struggle with with the coach. And to me, it's it's even higher than that. Like I really think that they need to clean out and just get with get a structured front office that makes sense moving forward. And I don't think they have that at all right now. Yeah, don't think that's necessarily a hot take. Absolutely. So we'll cut to break. On the other side, we will talk about the poll question. We've got our poll question up. We've got some answers from you, the listeners. So keep it locked. Keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. 
Winter is quickly approaching, but wait, that means your favorite seasonal brew is back to cheer you up. The Tukes of Hazard is now available across British Columbia and Alberta in their government and private liquor stores. This extra strong brew has a whopping 9.2% alcohol, big hop punch, even bigger body and aroma, and just a touch of white haze. The Parallel 49 fan favorite is smoother than a freshly cleaned ice rink. Muddlers. Muddlers Pink Lemonade. We are so excited to tell you guys about Muddler's Pink Lemonade. My drink of choice. You guys have all seen it by now. Faber and I went out drinking. That was my uh, drink of choice first night. I think that the catchphrase for this ad has to be, it's the only alcohol that Quads likes. Absolutely. It's so good. It's absolutely the best pink lemonade on the market by far. A lot of these other drinks are just a little too sweet for me. Like I I don't really like that. And this is like a nice mix because I also don't like when it tastes too much like alcohol. But this is like... The, the perfect balance. There's a reason that it was the drink I got when we went to the Parallel Street Kitchen as well. It, absolutely, man. It is the sweet spot for quads in the alcoholic beverage realm. You can find it, like you said, at Parallel 49 Street Kitchen and in a ton of liquor stores. All the BC liquor stores have it. It's the bright pink cans, Muddler's Pink Lemonade. Go out and try it today. And a big thank you to our sponsors. I just want to give another quick shout out, Parallel, the great folks over there. Just uh, coming on for another six months with them. Super jacked up for that. Hey, speaking of great sponsors, let's get to the sponsor of our poll question for episode 215 of the Canucks Conversation podcast brought to you by Blue Orca Sports Memorabilia. You can find them on Twitter at FuelTheFan. I mean, our poll question is pretty simple, boys. It's just it's about the Benning press conference. How do you feel after Benning's press conference? I gave three options today. First option, I thought he was fine. Second option, I'm checked out. Third option, I'm angry. Where yeah. do you go? I mean, I think we all know. I didn't give an option for good because I didn't think that it that even going into the press conference, we knew it wasn't going to be good. It was either yeah. going to be fine, bad, or bad, right? And or people don't care. And that's what I put in. That's why I put in. I checked out because I I was I'm pretty confident. And yeah, just looking at it now, I'm checked out with 52 percent of the vote right now. People are checked out, and that's just so sad. Like for us being content creators, we like that's the that's the worst thing for us. Yeah, you know what? I actually got a DM from someone. I was telling Harmon this last night. I got a DM. Someone said you and Faber should just turn your podcast, what we do in the first ten minutes, that some people complain about. You should just do that all the time. They're like, don't even talk about the Canucks. We can't do that, obviously. But that's where we're at. Like people would rather hear us talk about like literally nothings like we always talk about the show, like what we had for lunch like we talk about at the start of the shows I'm not well, trying you to know what you. i had at wendy's today oh, let me goodness. just get into it they got this new burger back in town it's uh the pretzel pretzel pub burgers pretzel bacon pub burger you guys like pretzel buns because i love i love pretzel buns yeah they're pretty good they're like my favorite then i had the hot dog out in abbotsford there Abbotsford has, uh, I don't know what they're called, Sully's, I think. Sully's hot dogs or something. Okay. And these hot dogs are like nine inches long, big old pretzel bun. Then I ordered a cheese dog. So I was expecting like a hot dog with cheese sauce, you know, like nacho cheese sauce. Mm-hmm. It was a hot dog with poutine cheese across the top of it. Thing was bomb. Very good hot. Like, and I, this is just from listening to locals out there in Abbotsford. And you where know, was this? At the rink? This is at the Abbotsford rink. It's the, the hot dogs are unreal. Wow. I actually might have to get up to Abbotsford now. Also, that's going to get you out there. Not your, not your son, yeah. your son who's one year younger than you. <laughs> uh, honestly, though, thoughts in uh, thoughts and prayers with everybody going through stuff right now with the floods. Oh, absolutely horrible I mean, to see. Talking to Ben Lipka a lot, who's for the Outsford News over there, just getting 
I don't know, just to, to see what well, people yeah. are dealing with. I mean, the videos that I think, like, I know it's it's horrible. Everything everything that's going on there is horrible. Just the videos that are coming up, like people with, on their jet skis getting cows to safety. Because I I, don't know, I grew up on farms, so I'm like really worried about the livestock that's out there. Because man, if you're flooding barns, all those cows are going to end up dying. Yeah, and that's like, and I and I know the families were a lot of them were able to get out. Um, some like chose to stay, which were getting evacuated from like by helicopter, by boat, and everything. Yeah. But I just to me, I like I know it's is you know maybe it's weird to think about like i do think about the livestock and how many chickens are probably dead from this like the chickens in the pens they're all dead like they have they no one's gonna pull out hundreds of chickens out of their coops like these poor chickens they're literally just dying out there in the water so i'm thinking of the animals a little bit more sorry i I grew up with a farm i live on a farm right now yeah no but that's so sad to think about well sorry i'm well that's what i'm really no like seriously that is that is but the video is a p i've seen them on jet skis pulling the cows to safety and stuff like shout out to everyone i was for and that's what i talked to with trent cole a little bit about was like he was Cole's played all around North America. He's played in Texas where there's a ton of floods as well. And he said, this is the worst he's ever seen at hated community, but he's also like just blown away with the people of Abbotsford. Yeah. And like how they're all coming together to help each other out. What if your farm's underwater, if your farm's underwater and I still like the videos that you see from above are just crazy. So I, I don't know, but it, to attach it to a Canucks perspective, the Canucks were had three players that they had to evacuate the Abbotsford Canucks. Carol plastic was one of them. He was crutches. on crutches who a fam- a random Abbotsford family just helped him move because they saw him trying to pull his stuff out with crutches and a family just stopped by, helped him grab all of his stuff out of the... Because uh, they were staying at the, the hotel that's attached to the uh, ha- Castle Fun Park, which all three of us know a lot about. We're not going to be out mm-hmm. of the cages anytime soon. But just the family stepping in and doing something like that was incredible. And Cole even said, like, whenever the city doesn't want volunteers or people coming to them right now, apparently, like, that's what I've seen someone in the news and Cole mm-hmm. kind of mentioned that as well. He's like, but as soon as they need help, like these guys, the players want to get out there and help in any way they can. So yeah. good to hear out there anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do we have anything else you want to touch on? Like, obviously that's probably a good place to end the episode. Like, Jim Benning's press conference today. There's not much more to say about it. The Canucks need to start winning games soon, or this well, is only. Let's get go worse. from like where where do they go from here now that the GM has come out and talked? I think they continue this homestand, and I think all signs that we've seen is that ownership wants to wait like seven or eight more games. Patience. Like, that's what we keep hearing. Is have yeah, patience. And I wrote the column on Canucks Army yesterday. This organization can't keep preaching patience to its fan base, and I think it was important that Jim came out and talked today. Um, you know, I don't think it helped anything, but it is important that people hear from the GM because there's a real disconnect right now from the fan base and the top of that organization. There's a real disconnect. And it's important that people hear from somebody of authority other than Travis Green because he can only control so much, right? Like somebody has to answer for this. That's just the way pro sports works. The thing we haven't talked about very much, and, and Harm, we'll get your thoughts on this one, just with like, how the coach talked about so many things about the players not playing up to their potential. He mentioned the penalty kill a lot. Like he talked about a lot of things on ice. Also didn't mention that the coach's job was safe. I mean, is that the next step that you see like happening from Jim Benning? Like, does, cause I know we touched on it earlier in the episode, but just the way that certain things were said today and not getting the best out of their players was a big thing that was mentioned multiple times by Benning. I think that the, the thing that we're going to see soon is either a trade or the coach. I don't think the GM's getting let go at any time soon at all. Like the GM's not going to be the first one to go. He's out of those three. He's the third to go in my eyes, as much as people might want to see Benning gone. Yeah. 
and that's where I mentioned earlier, like, does Jim have the autonomy or does he, will Francesco allow him to go out and hire another coach? Or is it just a case of you're going to fire Travis to to give the give the locker room a wake-up call? I don't think that's going to solve or salvage the season, to be honest. Like, might give him a temporary dead cat bounce. But, and this is why I think when it comes to this, uh, this decision as well is like ownership has to decide. I think before you even make uh, a decision about the coach, right? Before you figure out if you want to make a trade, you have to decide one way or another, do you believe in this general manager or not? Now, I think the body of evidence is clear in terms of there hasn't been nearly enough to sort of be convinced that he's the one to kind of navigate out of these tough waters. But you have to make that call one way or, or, or the other before you even decide on the coach or whether you're going to make a trade. Like everything starts with what you're going to do with the GM. Because again, like if you're making that change at the top, that fundamentally alters kind of the direction and the shape of, of the franchise. So like, and this is where it's interesting. And the one thing I'll always say is with ownership, they're always so erratic. They're so tough to predict Anyone that kind of thinks that they have a 100% grasp on on what ownership is thinking and what's coming next, like, they don't really know. Like, let's be honest, like, this, clearly this is a group that kind of like takes it day by day. And that just isn't a reference to the management, but the ownership as well. They had no contingency plan for this kind of start. So as, you know, Aquilini is now in the thought process of figuring out, okay, what's going on? He's going to have to make an evaluation on Jim. So I'm curious, like, I wouldn't be so quick to write off the idea of a potential GM change. Hmm. But man, like... Well, you talk about it as like a trickle-down effect, right? I think what you kind of said, that's kind of what you're getting at. That's why I've mentioned it before. I'll say it again. Like, a president would be at the top that would trickle down to the GM. I really, like, I don't know if you have any idea or any of you guys have an idea of, like, somebody who would be a president could be a president in the NHL. Like I just haven't done enough research to think about one. And even like with a general manager coming in, they would have to go to an interim GM, right? Like right now. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. And just throw some names out there. Michael Doyle, right. Was hired to replace Trent call, uh, not Trent call Trent Carroll. Uh, if I recall correctly, and Michael Doyle's kind of not the president of the organization, but he is speaking on behalf of the organization sometimes, like an example. Um, the Abbotsford stuff. Yeah, the Abbotsford stuff and a, lot, and a lot of different stuff. Like Michael Doyle's almost a spokesperson for the organization, right? And that's similar to what Trent Carroll did. It was a lot of the business side. Now, could he step into a president of hockey ops role? Probably not. But that's a name that's up there in the organization, right? And as for interim GM, we've heard Stan Smeal's name get tossed around. Uh, quite a bit. So I know that pisses off Faber a lot. Yeah, I don't want to be doing friggin' interviews with <laughs> Stan Smeal. He's a nice guy. I'm sure he is. But he big I'm time. Still mad, yeah, I'm still mad at Cam Bear. That's who I'm mad at. That's though, Cam. Actually. It's Cam. It's not. Stan I know. Smeal's I gotta. Fault. I gotta get over this. I don't hate Stan Smeal. Good. Make I hate that Cam Bear. No, I'm just kidding. Good boss over there. At Six. Cam's great, actually. So. He is great. Yeah. Okay. We'll close it out there. Well, my name and Harmo here about this. My intern GM would be Chris Gear. No, okay, I've tried to explain this to him. You Can you try he, to explain this to him? You're convinced that he knows nothing about hockey. I'm not trying to say he knows nothing about hockey. I'm just saying that Chris Gear's main thing is contracts. Like, he's not... But he deals with a lot of Abbotsford stuff, too. 
Okay, that's fair. Like a lot I of the just, team out there Abbotsford, him and Ryan Johnson work together on. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I just think he works better in the role that he's in right now, and I don't think you want to put him in a GM role. But right if you're now. looking like, okay, if Jim goes, John goes, right? Like, there's no chance John yeah, doesn't no, go? of course. So who's the other AGM then? Just Chris Gear? No, I think one of the Sedins would step into that role. As AGM? Yeah. They're senior advisors to the general manager right now. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is their job do after? I, I think they stay that. I think okay. they stay. But they I, I don't think they'd do promote them before they even figure out who's running the show at the top. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I, maybe it's them. Maybe interim GM, Stan Smeal, this is the Sedin's first year on the job. Are they ready to step in and be co-GMs? I don't know. Probably we have to not. figure out when their contracts expire so we know when this team's gonna be competitive. That's what Jim told us. Once I mean, they effectively, expire, effectively the Canucks do have a president of hockey ops. It's just Francesco Accolini. <laughs> like that's effectively the problem. That like, is the problem, yeah. Accolini is basically the, the president of hockey ops. Like he's <laughs> like he's essentially taken that role over, right? Like yeah. he's the one kind of like looking over the vision and you know, big picture stuff. He's and, got the Jim's answering to with the vision of the team, yeah. Also, and, yeah, go on. And honestly, like, again, like, you just, man, like, he's increasingly over time as this has kind of gone, like, with with the direction since last season of this, like, not going well, it all it all it does is kind of, like, lessen Jim's leverage, right? And it just yeah. makes Frank Francesco more involved. And so, yeah, he, he's basically the president of hockey. That's right what I'm saying. The thing that's kept Jim around for so long is now the thing that's going to not let him be able to do anything moving forward is the relationship with the owner. Yeah. And, okay, I'm going to throw, I'm just going to throw a couple names out here. Just quick thoughts that you guys say. Mike Fuda for GM. No. No. Jeff Gordon for GM. Okay. Maybe. Okay, well, you know, I'll take an okay and a maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's a name who is probably out there and available as a GM. And he, what, he's working for NHL Network right now. Jonathan Wall. There's a name. As a GM. I, I love Wall. I think he's a smart guy, but... He said hello to me in the elevator. That's why oh I said his name. Oh, my goodness. That's what we're <laughs> doing here. Biased media. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, like, the, the thing, too, is, like, regardless of what happens, right, like... They need someone, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the GM, and maybe it's in the president of hockey ops position, but they just need someone with experience at this point. Exactly. Like they, like they, you know, they, they obviously ran with uh, a rookie head coach. They ran with a rookie GM, and like they, they just need someone who, like, and maybe it, again, like I'm not saying the GM needs to be this veteran guy because chances are, if he is, then. You know, he's probably gotten fired in the past for not doing his job well. But regardless of how the team moves forward, right, if they do make a change, they need to bring someone in with, like, weight and authority to kind of, like... Here's the thing. Do they need... What if they just do that? Like, I I look at this organization, the way they've done things. What if they keep Jim, keep Travis, but bring in a guy with weight above those two? Is that... Like, literally, that has enough weight, though. That's well, for, this, for that's right, point. like the status quo plus someone else, like whoever you bring in, like that person's got to have a ton of weight. Yeah, I can't think of a name. I can't think of anyone. No, and there's no point just naming all these guys. Like we don't have a name because there's literally the organization right now is structured in a manner where there's nobody challenging opinions like. It's the top two guys, right? And you know, I'm not I'm not trying to come out here and say the Canucks aren't collaborating with their scouts and everything. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying 
it's not in the manner of one of these scouts could just step in and become a GM. They just don't have anybody yeah. right now. Like that's why we're just throwing out names. I just I look at it like I can very easily see none of these guys losing their job this year. Yeah. I'm I, sorry, I but that fair. like if I were a betting man, no, no, I'm not betting on it. No. I could see it depends on the odds I would get. But okay, well if they win, no, if, if they, they make win, the play, if they miss the playoffs, heads are going to roll. And, and keep in mind, guys, both. Yeah, if yes. they miss the playoffs, both are gone for yeah, sure. Probably, even so. if they go on a run here. Yeah, keep in mind, if they miss, yes, Jim's both. last year of the contract this year. Yeah, they don't even have to fire him. They just don't have to renew him. Are you really? Could you imagine if they extended Jim? Like this season or at the end of the season, so, if they miss the playoffs? I, I can imagine it. Yes, I can. Yeah, I can imagine it too. Jim's 11-year plan. We've talked about it. It's top man. You know what? Like, here's the other thing too. Like, <laughs> this is funny. I thought about this the other day. I was in like quads basically in the same position. I was 13 when Jim Benning was hired as GM. Like, I was literally a year removed from elementary school. Yeah, we were, like, nervous about starting grade 8 science. Yeah, I was, like, grade 8 science and, like, you know, like, we literally had not even gone through puberty. No, no. (laughs) Like, like that's how long it's been. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That that really puts it into perspective. Faber's just sitting here dumbfounded. I was still still playing uh, BC PBL baseball. Getting a scholarship that year. Wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's been many years. Where were you? Sub poll question brought to you by Fuel the Fans. Yes, Blue Sports Movie. Tweet us. Where were you in 2013 when Jim, or 2014 when Jim was hired? We were 14, not 13. I hadn't, thir- I, he, I think he was hired in May, so I was still 13. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm like a couple months older than you, but yeah, not a big deal. Just had to flex that. That's tough. <laughs> That's weird to think about. Yeah. Really I mean, putting perspective. A, yeah. It, it's, I don't really know where to go for you know. I'm just getting tired of doing these episodes where it's just like we're not even like you know. I want to go back to having a hockey podcast instead of a hockey ops podcast. Like I really yeah, miss that's having a good, that's a good yeah. quote. Miss having a show about hockey because we just can't talk about the team. We can't talk about what's happening on the ice right now because we have to talk about everything that's getting them to being how bad they are on the ice, and it sucks. Absolutely. Like I, you know, this show is supposed to be about the Vancouver Canucks and what they're doing on the ice and how they're pushing towards being a playoff team and what we can expect at that point. And it sucks that we have to do this every week. Like, I don't know, Harm, you asked how the podcast has been going before here, and Quads is my. We're like, you know, it's it's not great. People are starting to where we're seeing the numbers drop on the listens because people don't care. Like, like, look at our poll question. The answer to it. People have checked out. People are checking out now on probably on Canucks Army, probably on the Athletic, probably on. Well, we've seen the numbers here. It's just it's tough. Like it's tough yeah. to to come back here every time and do a show, but you just we just gotta keep trucking through. You know, one of these episodes here we're gonna actually be able to talk about a game, yep. which I'm excited for. Maybe we can talk about how Niels Huglander's been so good. The only good player on the ice right now for the Vancouver Canucks. And Garland. Garland, yeah, he's been looking good too. And I you know, I got a good good view of Thatcher Demko last night. Didn't see a lot of goals at my end of the rink because the Canucks were shooting there twice. But I just I don't I can't wait to talk about hockey again, man. Yeah. It's been like we been come good. in here, we try and have fun every week, and it's just been tough last few few episodes. Yeah, to just have fun and talk about hockey because this isn't a doesn't feel like a hockey podcast anymore, which yeah. sucks. Sucks. I want to talk more freaking hockey. Yeah. We, we know what we need. We need that damn Olympic break. Remember a couple weeks ago, we're like we're gonna have an Olympic podcast. The, the Canucks convo goes to the Olympics. We're going to be talking all about Olympic hockey. That's going to be all fun. I can't wait for that Olympic break because, man, it could, it could be some really dark times all up until then. 
It's going to be tough. If the season continues off the rails, there are going to be changes. Like there has to be. There has to be. And it's there's still time to make those changes. Yeah. And those changes don't like they still. It still keeps us a hockey hops podcast though. Yeah. Well, only for only for a couple more weeks. We can handle it. We can handle it. Sad favor. You got to keep the pep talks back going with you. I was sad. I was angry last week. I was sad the week before. This Back is just therapy for, for Faber. It is. Well, honestly, dude, we're, we're putting out like shows at 650. Every second episode is called Thera- Canucks Fans Therapy. Yeah. All the podcast episodes are just about ther- being ther- therapeutic for fans. And I hope this is. I hope this is. But that's what I miss. Like, I miss being able to come in here and have some fun. Yeah. And we haven't been able to have fun in a long time. We will soon. Before we close out, we have something to say about our radio show this weekend. Yes. Thank you, Kay. We forgot. So, yeah, weird, very weird schedule this week. We did this episode. We're not going to have an episode on Saturday unless unless stuff really hits the fan on yeah. Friday night. And like if they lose like seven, one, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll drive emergency. in here yeah. and we'll do an emergency then. But this is the episode for Saturday that we're putting out right now in its regular spot. If something major happens, we'll be here for an emergency one where we can make it happen with the emergency episode for sure. Uh, but for now, this is the Saturday episode. But as for the radio show, because of the game being on Sunday and it being a little bit early, we're going to do the three-hour pregame show on Sunday going into the actual pregame show, which is an hour before. But we're on from 1 to 4 on Sunday ahead of the game against the Blackhawks. So no show on Saturday. CBS Radio all day Saturday. We're going to hop in on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Sunday at 1 o'clock, and we want calls. Because that's been the, like on, like I've been working a lot at Sportsnet last uh, couple weeks here, and like working the regular shows during the week, producing the afternoon show specifically. The phone boards are lit up. People want to call in and talk with those teams, so we want that on Sunday. Listeners of the show, those two guys that uh, that waved at me and gave me fist bumps at the Canucks game, call into our show on Sunday. I want to chat with you on the show. Call in and just say, you know, the man who built the place. I appreciated that. <laughs> I wish you could have stuck around or even I didn't even like get a chance to ask the guys for their Twitter account. So hopefully they're listening to this right now. Tweet at me. Let me know that it was you who, who ran into because, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was nice to run into some people at the game there and uh, at least throw some fist bumps around. But, yeah, show Sunday, one to four. Um, and then, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm going to the game on Friday. I'm excited for that. Yep. Am I? I don't know. <laughs> I'm well. just, I like where I'm wearing my burgundy pants on Friday. Get the spark up the team a little bit. Favorite goes sad. I've never seen sad favor. No, fav- sad favor That's the thing. I'm literally in a good mood at all times until we get to the freaking podcast now. And it's it really, sucks. Yeah. I don't like, like, I like doing this and I, you know, it just sucks. I want to be able to do some, like, have some fun again on the show. If you tell you what, if things don't change at all next week, maybe, maybe we will do this thing that you've been mentioning. No freaking hockey talk. Let's just have some fun next week. Maybe I'll have some drinks. Oh boy. Whatever we're going to do. I'm not coming back here next week for the midweek show to talk about the freaking <laughs> hockey ops department. Okay. I'm coming here. We'll talk about a different team. We'll pick another team that's looking really hot and we'll do a Canucks conversation about the Vegas Golden Knights or, or the Winnipeg Jets. The Danbury the Thrashers. Yeah. You know, we'll do a Danbury Travis episode. I just watched Man, that. If anybody's listening to this from the Canucks organization, make some changes just for Faber's well, sake. Like, you know look what, what you've done to we this. We said man. it at the start of the year. If they don't make the playoffs, we're switching to a Blue Jays podcast. <laughs> more and more every single week, I am down. They just, Robbie Ray just run the Cy Young. And now he's leaving. They got all these, well, whatever. They got all these other young guys. Marcus Simeon's going to come back now. Barrios for seven years is a major head. You got Alec Manoa's number. We can, te- or no, whose number you got? I have Alec Manoa's Yeah, you got number. Alec Manoa's yeah. number. We can, have, we can literally. 
like we could snap a fit. We could switch this to a Blue Jays podcast pretty damn fast. We here. should just maybe one day we'll just have Alfred Noah throw everybody. Let's off. do it. I I've got well, yeah. I can make some call. I got some baseball people too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I got also people in the Mariners organization. We could fire this thing of baseball. Maybe that's what we'll do next week. A little okay. baseball okay. off season episode. Okay, look relax. at where we're at, man. Like yeah, this like, is- like I can't believe this. Like <laughs> we'll have a cricket segment with Harmon because he actually November. knows about cricket. Yeah. There we go. It's Harman- November. This is the worst part. It's November. Yeah. Harmon can explain the rules. You're right, of cricket. Harman. This this it's literally November. Yeah. Remember remember when we talked about meaningful games in March during the rebuilding years? Like yeah. we're not even going to get. And I actually had the stop before the season. I'm like, I'm not going to lie. I kind of saw this coming. Like. You know, I picked them to miss the playoffs in the back of my mind. Like, it was just such a, like, to me, even just watching this team through preseason, I was like, I kind of think this is going to be a train wreck. I don't know when the when the, the wheels are going to fall off the bus, but, like, I kind of saw it coming. My only thought was just in the back of my mind, just like, please, like, don't let this happen. Like, give it a, at least until January. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, just see, last season started in January, and they still couldn't play meaningful games in March. that's very true wow that's tough that's a great way to put it you know what and and i this is what i like we talk about march we're talking about uh, months of the year right now the the thing that i don't see like the thing there where where i can see changes happening the way this organization moves to make changes is the olympic break because what that's a two-week break in february we might have to wait till then until actual changes happen unless the canucks just really just fall like They've already fallen apart. They are consistently falling apart. But if they really fall apart again here after falling apart, like if they can't put everything back together on the next few games here, then I could see something happening. But if they just start to look okay a little bit, we like we might just have to wait till the Olympic break, which is what it's February, right? It's like the it's after the Super Bowl, which I think is the start of February. That's when a GM change would make sense. I bet to ownership where it's like, Hey, now we have these two weeks here to make this big decision. We have, we can bring people in. Like that's a break where you make a change for a GM. That's why I think a coaching thing happens first. I do. I think a trade comes first, then the coach. And if things still aren't going good, you see a GM at the Olympic break. Yeah. Absolutely. You should be allowed to make a trade. Like if it's a big one, like last thing this team needs is a panic trade. Yeah. yeah Cause man, if they don't really just like, and they haven't nailed the trade really. They haven't nailed like, one trade, especially except for Tanner Pearson for Erica Branson. Not even a big trade. And then you re- never mind. They didn't even nail no, that one. Don't then. even. Don't even. They're start. in a desperate position. Yeah, every team knows that. Like no one's going to come out and be like, "Oh, let me let me bail you out, Jim. Let me give you a top four right-handed defenseman, or let me give you an excellent right-handed centerman who can kill penalties for you." It's going to be like, okay, like you know, this guy. All right, give well, like what are your best pieces available to me? Yeah. Like if if I'm if I'm an opposing team GM, I'm calling Jim Benning right now. Yeah. yeah. And he said he's talking to other GMs. So the other thing that just to that point where where Jim said he's like he's hearing from other GMs, but like go out the, like that's what Harm said. If GMs are smart, they would be calling him. Jim's gotta go out and start making he's gotta work with his pro scouting crew and they gotta go out and find the guy that makes sense. They can't let people come to them. Yeah. And be like, hey, oh, yeah, we'll take Besser. Here's this guy who plays five, six defense for us, but probably plays top four for you. Yeah. You know, because that, that's Good what's going to happen. Good point. Okay. We'll close out there before we do. I don't trade any. I swear. Listen, the one thing I can look forward to right now is the draft and having some fun. Oh, choosing God. who the best move, guy is oh, seventh overall. You guys are hilarious if you think they're drafting in the first round this year. No, there's they have no to. chance they're <laughs> drafting in the first round. They have to. Five they, bucks, both of you, right now on the podcast. I'll do yeah, more that's than it? that. Five dollars. 
No. What are you broke? <laughs> okay, ten each. Ten? No, I'll give. I'll do. I'll bet you a hundred dollars that. A hundred. Yeah, I bet you a hundred dollars. I don't. They draft or that they draft in the first round this year. No, I'm not betting a hundred on that. Yeah, because you're not confident. I'm not as confident as this guy. What the man? He gets his sports net paycheck. I, I, I'll bet a hundred too. No, screw that. Yeah. Holy cow. You guys are that confident they're going to draft? They, can't, the first they round. can't. They can't trade the first round back. They've tra- how many in the in the past few years have they traded? Well, they're gonna. They're, they can't. Okay, I, I'm I'm putting ten on this. Or right, pass somewhere dinner. I'll just I'll just buy you guys dinner. That's right. it. And if we win, we, right. you, you get two meals. If we win, yeah, two okay. meals. Yeah, that's right. All right. Yeah. I'll take a pass to Amore dinner, Deal. but which is going to be called something new now all of a sudden. We got the new. Yeah, uh, we, yeah, the we got to work brand. on a sponsorship for the yeah, new, exactly. uh, new year when they get yeah. a new restaurant. Exactly. We'll also, plug them up. Before we close out, Harmon, how does scoring in cricket work? Save it for the midweek show next uh, week. Let's not. Let's we're gonna, not it's going to be Harm, Quads, me, Alec Manoa. We're going to be talking about how <laughs> qu- cricket scoring goes next week. Yeah, I'll get uh, I'll get the scouting director from the Saint or the Seattle Mariners. That I know he'll come on. He'll chat about something. We'll do it. It's going to be a baseball. Whatever. We're going to have some fun next week. I don't yeah. care what happens with the Canucks if they unless they start to win. We can talk about something on the ice. We're talking about something different next episode. Also, I just want to point out because Harm, Harm, you played high level cricket for those that don't know already. And when we took you to Castle Fun Park to the batting cages. That swing for somebody who's never really like played competitive baseball or anything. That swing was pretty nice. Thanks, boys. He's got the weight transfer. Yeah, yeah weight, got transfer. The weight transfer. I said harm swing looked better than yours, and you actually yeah, played baseball. That's fair. I, I was a contact hitter. Yeah, he, he had a much more powerful. You swing. weren't a contact hitter when I came out and watched you though. Was <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, okay. sombrero also, on the day. The game you came to, I, I played well. I like laid down a bunt. I was great. Yeah. but the game he came to With one out. We're playing, and here's the thing: I played in this like kind of rec league this year but none of the college teams and university teams had seasons so they sent all their players to this league so our team we had a bunch of like ubc like players that play on the varsity team and all of these teams had those guys like different college players and we had a guy who is a blue jays prospect recovering from some injury and the blue jays said he could go play in this league so we had a guy yeah when i showed up to the field there i'm like oh look at quads in right field and the first pitch that i like saw was like Boom, and it just quads like looking up, watching the ball like fly away over the fence. And I'd like, yeah. it's like, oh, should I go grab that or something? Yeah. Like, just as I'm walking into the field. No, oh, it was it was a nightmare that game he came to. So okay, look, if I'm facing pitching like that, yeah, I'm I'm gonna have some trouble. Well, but I, I was I got I was a scholarship. The- I can get the arm going back going again <laughs> here and chuck a few. Yeah. We need to see a favor versus quads at bat. Yeah. Me pitching. You or- should have came to the media day at uh Nat Bailey. Yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah, we'll do that one day. You guys should have like a bat, like three, three or four at bats to each other each, right? Like yep. four at bats, quads. You pitch to Faber and then reverse, and then see who. I guess I mean it's kind of tough when you don't have fielders. Distance, but. he's winning. We we yeah. can figure it out. Yeah. We got it. We we'll figure it out in the summer. Either that That'd mean quads are gonna have a, a bench press off here pretty soon too. After I learned how much he benches, percentage. I of thought body he went weight. to the gym a lot. Uh, okay, come on. Okay, favor. This has got to be like <laughs> in relation to exactly. Well, yeah, what, yeah, what I'm saying exactly. But also like, not at the same amount because there's no chance I'm getting my body. Well, well I, that's what I'm saying. Pretty close to my it's body based weight. on body weight. So I bench more than my body weight. He can't. That's more impressive. Well, that's like saying an ant is the strong is stronger than you too because ants can lift like thirty times their weight or something. Yeah, yeah but in relation, this is two humans, not yeah, two humans with the well, same species. Okay. Well, what's believe it or not? <laughs> if you think that, my dad probably can't bench his own. Well, my dad, I guarantee, my dad, oh, I guarantee your dad can bench way more than his body weight. I guarantee. Yeah, it. I think he can too. That was a little bit of a stretch. Man. Oh, don't! Oh, I, I pulled up some old. Hold on, I got to read one because uh, some people like the legend of my dad. I so I was 
uh, I was looking through old tweets the other day of mine, and we'll close. We can close the episode on this. Yeah, holy cow! My long dad's long episode we've done in a while. <laughs> yeah, this is a long. So this is a tweet that I tweeted out in 2014. My dad. This is the tweet. My dad just told me about a dream where he was mountain biking, and he asked me if he might have burned more calories because of the mountain biking in his dream. That's what. That's what. This is a tweet from 2014. What? And then I found another old tweet of mine from 2013, and this, and I saw this, and I said, I wish this was just what it could be. My tweet in 2013 was: These past two weeks have just been a drunken blur. That's wow. literally how. I only, wish I could the only way to get through Canucks hockey these days. Yeah, it's my my tweets from 2013. I wish the dark years of the Canucks. These are the dark years. Before we really. close out, shout out Canucks Reddit. Canucks Reddit's been on fire lately, so just want to show that out there. I know you hate them. I don't hate them. You hate everyone on I there. I do not hate everybody on Canucks but Reddit. I I love the people of Canucks Reddit. Yeah. They've been good to me lately, too. Okay, we'll close it out there. For Chris Faber and Harmon Dial, thanks for joining us. By the way, my name is Dave Quadrelli. You've been listening to the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.